ISEF Exchange in partnership with HSBC, global financial leader in supporting parents and students in the international education journey. Welcome to the ISEF Exchange with me, Lucinda Bowden. As we kick off a new year with our first podcast of 2021, we continue to explore the experiences of our colleagues across the international education industry. If you haven't yet had a chance to listen to our earlier episodes, please visit ISEF.com or subscribe via your favourite podcast player for some fresh insights on how students, agents and educators are planning for the year ahead. This week in episode 16, we're discussing financial solutions for international students with three senior representatives from the finance sector. This topic was first introduced as a webinar at our last virtual event, ISEF HE Connect, in early December, and we've adapted it for today's podcast. The pandemic has had an extensive impact on the education sector on so many levels. Many students and their families have faced delays in study, loss of part-time jobs and restrictions on travel, all of which has created significant financial stress. At the same time, financial services providers have also been adapting their services to better support international students this year. As always, there's a lot to discuss and I'll hand over now to our host this week, Martijn van der Veen, Vice President of Business Development at ISEF. Welcome everyone as we get started. The current pandemic will have and already has a major impact on international education on so many levels. From changes in student corridors to the introduction of hybrid programs and from the rise of so-called micro-credentials to a whole array of new edtech solutions, international education is entering a new era. But what about international student financing and financial services? Many students' families and the students themselves are affected financially by COVID-19. Prospective international students and their families may no longer be able to afford the programs they were initially hoping to sign up for. Current international students are dealing with pandemic-related study delays and may have lost their part-time jobs, causing financial stress and delays in their student loan repayments. How are the providers of financial services and student loans responding to these new challenges? How can they support international students and how will these services be different in a post-COVID world? Three senior representatives from the finance sector will help us find answers to these questions and I'm delighted to introduce them to you. My first guest is Mr. Amit Singh, who is the founder and CEO of UniCreds. Hi Martin, hi everybody. Joining him is Tony Chen, who is the Head of International Education Proposition at HSBC. Hi everyone, thanks Martin for having me. Welcome Tony, and completing the panel is Adam Cross, he's the Director of Marketing for Future Finance. Adam and Tony are in London, and Amit sitting behind a map of London is actually in Mumbai. Let's get started. We can expect an increase in demand for international student loans after the pandemic. I mean, we'd love to hear your views on whether we can indeed expect an increase across the board for international student loans after the pandemic. Okay, thanks, Martin. Uh, we help students in finding uh, the tailor-made education loans for their suitability. We help them in finding safe and secure accommodation and many other services which help them in settling well, uh, basically. Uh, a bit about Unicreds, it's a, it's a unique edu fintech company uh, which relies on uh, machine learning and data science 
to provide reliable and convenient solution to the student. So what we have is a strong tie-up, strategic tie-up with, with various lenders in, in the local jurisdiction. And uh, through our uh, machine learning processes, we find the suitability of the lender and the student and uh, provide them the best of the solutions on the both sides. Uh, we'll soon be expanding to global markets and expanding our, our offering through Unicreds to global student community and providing them solutions globally. That's a bit about us. So Martin, on your question about how the education industry or education loan industry is faring, I think uh, like anybody else, I would say uh, none of the Excel sheets could, could predict this and hence uh, nobody was ready. I think we all learned to walk through the crisis. Same, very similar uh, is the process for the education loan industry. I think uh, the volumes dropped significantly. Uh, some of the platforms were not ready or technologically advanced enough to work around the situation, especially when the lockdown happened. So they have to kind of get their house in order once the COVID is behind us and make sure that any such uh, extreme uh, eventuality doesn't disrupt the business. Uh, I think from the student side, there has been a lot of uh, you say uncertainty uh, which the students or the parents have gone through during this period. Uh, people, uh, as you rightly said, some of them were fearful that they might lose their jobs and hence there is a stress on where to pay the EMIs. Uh, they, the, the new undergrad students who were thinking or dreaming of, of uh, building their career or starting to build their career suddenly fell in an uncertain environment where uh, the online uh, became the norm and they were not sure when the on-campus learning is happening, whether the particular city they are traveling to or what type of uh, lockdown they have. So there were a lot of these uh, uncertainties which, which were there. Uh, I think the vaccine which, ha which has been announced in, by UK uh, that they are going to start uh, immunization is the best news which could happen. So I think uh, we are moving towards normalcy. Uh, it's still some time away. You asked me uh, how will uh, 2021 will go. Uh, I would say 2021 will be more of a consolidation kind of a year. It's a year where a lot of systems and processes will get reworked and try to uh, uh, then stand from there and capture the maximum growth in 2022. That's the way I see it. All right. When you say moving to normalcy, do you expect an increase in the demand for international student loans after the pandemic, right? As, as I said in the introduction, you see that a lot yes. of families and students themselves have come into financial problems and are maybe no longer able to afford their programs, yes. you would expect they would um, try to find the right loan solutions to actually still be able to live their dream. So uh, my view, uh, Martin, is 2021, as I said, is a year of consolidation. Come fall 2021, you will see the lending or disbursement levels going back to the pre-COVID lines, but not reaching that significantly. I think 2022 will be the year where you will see the maximum growth coming in because still, even if we have vaccination and we could open the economy, it will not be fully, it will be partially. And there will still be doubts about the economy and how the job scenario will be. So I think 2021 is a consolidation year. Uh, 2022, uh, I hope and I'm pretty confident most of this problem is behind us. And that's where we will see a rampant growth in uh, international students, taking admission because again the economy typically if you ask my view it will take about three odd years plus to to come back to growth phase and uh, in that scenario uh, you will still see higher number of enrollments in schools and colleges 
because typically this is a time when a lot of employees or people who are uncertain about their job prospects will go for reskilling and upskilling. All right, Tony, what was your view on that topic? I think the pandemic is not going to go away, and I think I may kind of says like in a sense that it's going to stay with us for a longer period of time. In terms of the student loan, I think. What we try and do at HBC is actually digitalize a lot of process, right? So if you imagine, like you know, the the students and the parents may be somewhere around the world, and they may be deferring their study, they may be applying for a loan on their mobile phone. So what we have been doing is actually try to push a lot of these solution through digital platform, and I think that's something that across different organization, across different company, we are moving ahead with that, and that is a trend going forward. And I think there's opportunity for us to work with. Uh, I know there are uh, quite a lot of agents and as well as the higher education uh, representation on this call.、Uh, we are happy to work with them to kind of create a solution together. We do see that trend towards digital platforms, and actually, Adam, that's something where you're quite familiar with.、Uh, yeah, definitely. I'd say、um, regarding the demand for student loans as well. Background was at UCAS, working there for seven years, looking at the growth of international students this year in the UK. Uh, looking at the population、uh, demand of education that's actually increasing year on year,、uh, if there's a pandemic or a recession, more people actually turn to education. Like in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, volumes increased quite heavily. There's not sort of as much part-time jobs or jobs for people to get, so people turn to education again. Maybe go into postgraduate and masters as well. The people、uh, from certain backgrounds might need help or support with student loans, so we see the demand for student finance and student loans increase. Uh, over the next five years, I know the population trend in eighteen-year-olds is increasing quite rapidly.、Uh, so that will push more demand for financial support from、uh, banks and, and student loan providers and lenders. So we definitely see and expect an increase in the demand for student loans, and it's more a change towards what is the process and what are the formats that students can use to apply for these loans. Right, we see a, a shift from. Students having to go and meet someone, see a person, to actually do the whole process online—is that how it works for you, Amit? Yeah. So、uh, clearly, in fact,、uh, that's one point I missed. But both Tony and Adam have highlighted that I think the interface through digital、uh, is going to be significant. In fact, I'll, I'll give you a case in point. During the lockdown period, and in India, the lenders still rely on physical copy of document sets, and due to lockdown, the student could not send it. And there were certain deadlines to be met, and there were lenders who did not have the backend technology to process documents. So I'm I'm sure、uh, the the technology influx is going to be huge、uh, in on the lending platforms, and you will see more and more solutions around the app driven technologies and on mobile and on a digital platform. On that topic, Amit, I mean, as a recent startup, Unicredit has the advantage to adopt the latest tools and insights in your student loan proposition and. What is different now compared to how conventional loan providers work? To give you a perspective, Martin,、uh, today we have capability on Unicreds to process the whole documentation online on our platform. And what we are doing is we are reaching out to the large partners through the API integrations, and the process is seamless. We have cases in point where the lender and the student never met in 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 person.、Uh, the verifications happen on Zoom calls like this. And、uh, we vetted the documents and pro- provided it to the lenders, and and it worked beautifully.、Uh, the challenges of of having it mass scale, having it available with all the relevant lenders, I think that transition you will see. So、uh, just to give a perspective from India, there are a couple of very strong brand lenders 
who might have said, oh, I get a business through my brand pool. I need not invest in technology. Those days are gone. Is that something you see as well, Tony? I mean, HSBC, is, of course, is everywhere. It's such a big organization. Does that make HBC able to quickly respond to the changes in this industry? Yeah, of course, right. I think, you know, with, with the change on digital, right, we'll try to respond uh, really quickly. But at the same time, there are constraints in terms of, you know, digital development and the technology development. But we are trying to respond as quickly as possible to this. And Adam, that is exactly what you guys are doing, right? So using those latest technologies in the applications for student loans. Yeah, 100%. So um, all of our application is online. We've got like a guarantor and non-guarantor journey. So the uh, non-guarantor journey is completely sort of online, smooth application process. Uh, and then the one that requires a guarantor is a bit more sort of personal, uh, where we want to use one of our customer service operational staff to, to work with that, that borrower and the guarantor. Uh, but we're trying to move to like a fully digital solution just so we can handle more volume. Generation Z always want more in terms of digital. They always want like more in terms of resource, advice, and they want a lot more advice than perhaps um, someone in uh, like a baby boomers that need a lot less information. The Gen Z, a lot more digital focused audience that are looking for, for more sort of digital focused products. On those loan applications, do you, Tony, do you work with agencies, you work with institutions? To what extent can they process the process? To what extent are they able to handle loan applications for HSBC? So within HSBC, it depends on which market you're talking about. And there are different type of loan products, but uh, we are also quite open in terms of working with various different uh, companies, right? So we are a firm believer of creating an education ecosystem to kind of help support the students and the parents right, along this journey. Throughout this process, we'll be working, you know, especially, for example, in India, where we work closely with some of the, the loan provider because we don't have certain capabilities. In US, we, we work with you know, government on providing certain type of uh, loan and also saving plan right, for students. So it's just collaboration, working with uh, different partners to create a healthy ecosystem. And talking about that ecosystem, I guess you know, we can talk very much about applications for, for student loans, international student loans, and I have some more questions about that, but also, the role of a financial service provider, I believe, would go beyond just providing the loan, right? Which brings us actually to the next topic, and that reads as follows. Financial service providers have a responsibility to educate international students in terms of financial literacy. For example, which means personal financial management, budget management, right? Do you agree or disagree that the financial service providers have a role to play here? that they have to teach these students how to manage their funds uh, and avoid having too much money to pay back once they graduate. Now is a good moment for you, Tony, to uh, give us a proper introduction of uh, your role and HSBC in our sector. Sure. Thanks, Martin. So I, I currently head up the international education proposition for HSBC globally. And predominantly what our roommates actually look at the journey before they depart. Uh, to arrival in a destination market. And the key destination market, not a surprise to any of you, is US, UK, Canada, Australia. And also when they, the student graduate, when they're looking for a job, we also support that journey in terms of whether they want to stay on and work in the destination market as well as returning home, right? So I think that's kind of what we do. 
And uh, throughout this, I talk a little bit about, you know, we work with partners, right? Because as a financial institution across this journey, right, there are different components, including visa, including advisory, including recommendation for different schools. Uh, these are the type of things that, you know, we want to kind of get in the partnership together with university, as well as with agents that's on the ground working together to provide a solution. However, when we do that, right, we actually, you know, try to listen and actually understand our customers. So we have, HSBC, we have historically go out with various types of different surveys on the ground. It's interesting, you know, like related to the financial part of it, it's last year we've done a survey to a, a thousand international students. And on an average, right, I mean, international education is quite expensive, not surprising to any of you. There are some components that, you know, um, that's part of that cost, right? So on average, it's actually over 20,000 US dollars or more. But then you have components around accommodation, around loans that we talk about, right? Expenses, right? And travel home. And all these different things are, you know, when we actually further ask international students, 23% of the international students do not know how much it costs, you know, to study abroad. And actually, it's really funny, like, you know, in the sense that uh, 36% of the U.S. Uh, students say they don't know, right? So it varies uh, across different markets, but you'll get a sense that a lot of students actually don't know how much it, it costs to actually study overseas. It is, you know, our mission to actually help with our partners, right, to educate. It's actually quite costly to study overseas, but at the same time, there's way to manage a uh, different aspect of it, right? And so we firmly believe, you know, in terms of, you know, teaching our uh, clients about understanding how to actually plan ahead, you know, how actually, actually how to budget, right? What is the implication of, you know, interest rate, you know, inflation? And you will see the latest kind of article uh, last week from Financial Times talk about how important financial literacy is during this time, because every everybody now is actually a lot under a lot of pressure. Whether, whether you are in a risk of losing a job or you are just, just worried about whether I should be moving or not, right? There are a lot of consideration and be able to understand that and train against that is actually quite important. So we firmly believe in that. Right. So I guess you would fully agree with the quote where financial service providers have that, do you see that have the responsibility or do you just see that as a service and not as a responsibility? It's definitely a responsibility, right? But I want to kind of say that responsibility actually co-owned with our partners uh, with the higher education, right? So for example, in UK, we work with a few universities on, on, on this, right? And it's mostly training and also provide seminars on financial well-being, financial literacy uh, seminars uh, along the way. And I, I start to see uh, some of the uh, universities around the world start to have a specific team of people within the university to educate their students as well, right? And we want to be part of that. It's definitely something that we are very um, uh, passionate about. And definitely we feel like it's not only a service, right? It's our responsibility to actually teach a broader audience about how important that is. Right, and the, and the responsibility that you say you share with the institutions that you work with, with these student recruitment agencies that you work with, so you have a program that they can implement for their students. Or do you develop that program in cooperation with them? Yeah, the, I mean, again, it depends on some of the market. Uh, in market like UK, we co-develop some of the programs, right? And and we have uh, specific guidelines. Uh, for example, for example, on the UK website, we have a session that that talks about different guides. Uh, you know, there's this guide specifically for students on what are some of the things they should be, you know, uh, looking out for when they're planning out for uh, saving 
for different parts of uh, uh, financial aspects. Right, Ahmed. Yes, I actually see a huge role as as Tony said that uh, even the intermediaries like us, uh, it is our responsibility to educate and and to be in touch with the student and keep uh, upgrading them on, or rather uh, uh, providing them the input on how to manage their finances better. Being a large institution, so I'm just taking an example of HSBC, nothing for or against, but. Uh, it's very difficult at times to devote that kind of uh, personal attention to to the student individually and everybody comes with a different uh, uh, level of complexity of their own individual finances uh, but i think an uh, advisor or an intermediary somewhere in between can play that role and technology can definitely play a bigger role in that and that's what we have tried to do uh, through unicred so if you happen to come on our website or or, or our app you will see there are a lot of tools uh, which are given through free uh, to the students and the parents in terms of calculating their EMIs, calculating their prepayment penalty, but uh, if they prepay and if they have certain surpluses, how are they going to benefit in the long run? I'll, I'll take an example of current pandemic, uh, Martin, and, and Tony, correct me if I'm wrong, but in India, a lot of uh, kids actually who went for international education, they actually prepaid their loans using their savings, using their FDs, fixed deposits and investments. Because in current time, the fixed deposits and investment rates are also fallen. Uh, so it's better to prepay your loan rather than uh, uh, earning lesser return on your income. And I was talking to the largest lender in India, and they said they actually have shrunk their book size because they have received so much of prepayment. But having said that, uh, the, the, the CEO of the bank actually encouraged kids or parents to prepay the loan because this is a difficult time, right? Can you explain that? prepay their loan if you have a loan which is let's say 10 year of duration right and you are three years into it and you are not sure uh, whether uh, your job is secured enough or your, uh, your your certainty of job is there but you have enough savings in your bank account or your in, in in your fds fixed deposits or investments what you can do is draw those savings and prepay the the part part loan and that will bring down your emis Eating up the repayment process, you mean, when there is yes. a possibility, but I guess that you will see more of a delay in these pre repayments with a lot of families and students uh, having troubles uh, due to COVID. Do you accommodate that as well? Do you have solutions for those uh, yes. that are currently unable to even think of prepaying their loans? So, so the other part of problem is uh, with the people who don't have these savings, what, what will they do, right? So for, for them, uh, the regulator has come up with a standard moratorium period uh, which has certain subventions added to the student loans right to to make it comfortable and mm -hmm. over and above that even the lenders so again uh, uh, these loans are given to students who have bright future they are going to good universities you as a lender can easily assess that these are good universities and the potential for the student to get a job is very high or get back uh, uh, enrolled in the job market very quickly as the situation improves the lender is also willing to be with the student. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, it's it's not a commercial loan where, where the project is not completed and, and you have lost your money. Exactly. The student still has a good economic, large economic period of life where they can pay your loan. So I think I have seen very clearly that lenders have a very keen interest to sit, sit across the table and provide the solutions to people who can't uh, support with the savings. So if I can add another point is around uh, what I mean saying is understanding the situation and the dynamic of like, you know, if the interest rate is falling, it might, it might want to actually, pre, you know, prepay your loan, right? 
and some people just don't think about it, right? It, it may be logically, uh, you know, uh, something makes sense to do, but it's important for for us to kind of educate that. And for our side, we have you know a, a podcast that talk about financial fitness, um, you know, uh, on our website. We have a financial fitness score that kind of tell you how um, educated or how you know well known in terms of different aspect of it, and you can actually learn uh, uh, from it, right? And on top of it, in the UK, we are also piloting something called money coaching. So, like you know, be able to kind of budget, right? Not only understand the different aspect, but you start to kind of budget yourself. Because as some of the students, when they move from home to overseas, right, budgeting may be something very different, right? You know, at home they have mom and dad taking care of everything, you know, uh, for them. But when they move to university, the first time they have to actually sort out their credit card bill. Start to pay for different things, right? It's very taunting, right? So that's something that we want to start early. Right, right. So you're from daddy and mommy coaching to money coaching. I think that's a great. Uh, <laughs> um, Adam, we were talking about the uh, financial service providers that they have a responsibility to educate their international students. But should international students also be educated on how they can apply for a loan? For example, in the US, I know you need to have a credit history. How does that work for the UK? Don't, aren't there other ways for students to apply for a loan? Because they have such a, uh, an interesting outlook for the future. They're such an interesting demographic. It's a difficult audience um, because most lenders look for a credit file uh, or credit history on, the, on their uh, applicants. Um, we personally look at their credit history, but if they haven't got a credit history, we look at the university or the subject they're studying and more like lend on their potential, their future, rather than looking at uh, their credit file, like most most lenders. So that's where I guess we're different at Future Finance. Um, but it's, it's a very difficult because students are very high risk. Um, the education, I guess, isn't out there for them. Uh, to Tony and Amit's point, I think it's uh, the responsibility of the lenders to be responsible uh, to educate their audience. Um, Gen Z aren't financial, haven't got much sort of financial education out there. So it's our duty to provide that education to them. Like uh, you said, with early repayment, overpayment on loans rather than paying the interest, but also looking at other different options. It's not just about a loan, uh, like looking at what your bank can offer you, what a uh, a student bank account can offer with an overdraft and then maybe move to a credit card, ask mum and dad or friends first, uh, then sort of look at loan or look at other options. We've we've done a lot of research in the UK and there is a, a funding gap for students. So example, like a postgraduate student looking to study in the UK, an average MBA is like 80, 15 to 18K. Uh, then if you look at the average student loan that they get given is 10k from the government so there's a there's a funding gap on tuition then you've got accommodation so it's trying to cover that funding gap with uh, different options like friends family first then look at overdraft but i'd say that's really important for lenders to be responsible and educate them on their product but also financial literacy we have a a partnership team similar to, to what tony was saying where we go out to institutions in the uk uh, we work with 42 we do recruitment events uh, open days uh, we do career, career development events to current students to talk to them about networking, going on LinkedIn, but then also about financial education, literacy as well, to try and provide as much education as we can on our product, but also on budgeting and financial management. Right, so educating these students serves two purposes. It helps the students, of course, to be educated and become financially literate, but of course helps you make sure that there's a higher 
chance of getting these loans repaid. Now, what about income share agreements? They seem to become more and more popular as well. And that should be an interesting venue for international students with the outlook that they have. Is that something you, you all three of you see increasing? It's something you offer? Amit, may I start with you? Still not existing in India, Martin. Uh, here, the reliance is largely on either the income capacity or, or the future income capacity of the student, as in when they pass out. Uh, and that is, there is a judgmental call with the credit uh, side of the bank takes, depending on which university and which course uh, you are going for. So in India, typically, it's easier to avail education loan if you're going for one of the STEM courses from a good university. But if it happens to be liberal arts and it happens to be a lower grade university, the lender will be kind of a little edgy. Uh, the other way to solve this problem, there are two ways they solve it. One is if you have enough savings to put a deposit with the lender, or if you have a co-applicant like your, if your parents can give a guarantee and they happen to be uh, having a good uh, financial health, uh, then these are the two or three ways you can actually avail, uh, not linking your future income and, and, and putting a lien on that, so to say. Right, right, right. Well, no one wants an edgy lender, especially when you already have a loan <laughs> with them. But um, the income share agreement model, Tony, is that something you, you so globally active? Is that something you provide or are considering in certain regions or not at all? Yeah, no more. I think like, uh, you know, as a, as the big organization, we are always looking for new ideas and, and new uh, possibilities, right? So it's def definitely something we consider, but unfortunately, I don't think we have launched something right now, uh, as far as I know. Um, to a point, I think one thing that we are doing for an HSBC is actually look at the family umbrella, right? So if you look at, you know, the Chinese diaspora, um, the Indian diaspora, there will be a family behind it. So we have a family proposition where, you know, mom and dad can be your guarantor or they can kind of support you on the finance bit of it, right? So that's definitely something that's much easier to execute. Uh, and we have a, a premier family proposition in many parts of around the world that offer the, the, the very preferential uh, treatment as part of that family offer. Yeah, Adam, do you work with income share agreements or do you see a future for that model? I definitely see a future um, for that model. At the, at the moment, we don't work with income share agreements. Uh, we just work on a five pound whilst you study and then it goes to full repayment after. We talked before about uh, the advice I think all three of you gave that any student that is able to, that is already working, that is able to uh, uh, advance the repayments of their loan should definitely do that. The question here is, doesn't that lead to fees? Aren't there like penalties involved when you have an early payment? Would you agree that that is the right way forward? If you're encouraging these students to pay back earlier, but then you're charging money on top of that, is that the right way, Amit? So uh, that's where I think profiling of the student in the beginning itself is very, very important. And when you have tools where you can profile the student better and you know that the student has a capacity to pay in future in lumpy uh, cash flows, uh, you try to structure and get a loan from a lender who's more amenable to reducing the fees or charging less on prepayments. Uh, that's on a standard basis. But what I was referring more to the pandemic kind of a situation, which was unforeseen for everybody. I think even the lenders were very forthcoming if somebody wanted to prepay, they were happy to uh, accommodate or reducing the fees, uh, the impact of that. Right, right. Tony? I can't comment specifically on each of the country's um, policies on loan repayment, but, but I think the general guidance is uh, the transparency is there. Uh, the terms and condition is actually there, right? So it's just uh, allowing 
um, you know, the families to understand what are the terms and conditions when they prepay is a fees associated with it. And the way we are going about it is like, you know, back to my earlier point around offering uh, a digital interaction, right? So what that means is like, if they have questions, they can now, you know, ask questions on live chat. They can actually connect with us on WeChat in China. There are, you know, various different uh, digital tools they can connect with us to ask questions and to, to find out what exactly is the term for that. Right. Um, going on to the next topic, I guess that we can all agree that rather than causing the changes in our industry, in your industry, COVID is maybe a catalyst that has significantly accelerated changes and evolutions in our various, in, the, in our respective industries. One of those changes is the rapid increase of fintech and uh, artificial intelligence solutions. And I'd like to ask the question, and then, of course, the three of you, do you are you worried about the increasing role of algorithms and artificial intelligence in that decision making process in terms of known applications? I mean, they're so private and individual. Should that still involve a human or do you feel like, well, actually, the, those processes are based on, on are created by humans, so they should work, which gives us a moment for Adam to have a proper introduction of yourself. Uh, Future finance and your role in the international students segment. Yeah, so I'm Adam Cross, uh, marketing director at Future Finance. Um, I've worked at Future Finance around uh, a year. I previously worked at UCAS for seven years in the education sector in the UK. Uh, I worked with Future Finance whilst at UCAS for a year, then saw the sort of funding gap of students and the financial support that's needed. So that's why I decided to join Future Finance. Uh, Future Finance is a specialist loan student provider, uh, which has been around for five years funding home-based UK students and international students that are studying in the UK. Uh, we have two products, one which is a tuition loan, which is paid straight to the institution, uh, the other product is a cost of living stroke personal loan that's paid directly to the student. Uh, we've funded over 25,000 students so far, uh, growing at a, a rapid pace at the moment, looking to grow to around 100 million loan originations a year. Uh, so students are a really relevant core part of our business. As I said, we, with our partnerships team, uh, the education is really important uh, into sort of universities and to these students. Uh, in terms of the question around worried about increasing role of algorithms and AI, I briefly touched upon it earlier. As a loan lender, we're slightly different to most. We look at the potential of the student. So look at the course they're studying. We look at where they go. We look at the institution because a lot of them don't have a credit file. Uh, am I worried about it sort of impacting slightly? Uh, yes, because every, every student's going to be different. You know, if someone's not got a credit profile um, and you're using AI, um, but, you know, to sort of profile those students, then... Uh, you could be missing out on not supporting everyone. Um, but then the massive benefit of having an algorithm or an AI is that you can have a, a support a lot higher volume of students, um, push through new customers, support existing borrowers and customers, and do all the other good work that we mentioned regarding education uh, and, and pushing and supporting other, other students. Interesting. They feel comfortable to still have a person involved in that process. I guess, is that, does that align with your view, Adam? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's um, it's our duty to be a responsible lender to our students. So you have to look at um, various different profiling students, looking at their credit history, their credit profile, um, looking at where they're studying, what they're doing, and, and sort of be ethical in our judgments. And AI and automation helps that process and mitigates that human error as well. 
And how does that affect the role of the middleman? You mentioned you work with institutions, I believe also with agencies, correct me if I'm wrong. Do you see that, would you be moving away from those partnerships or do they remain as important as they are now? Uh, no, they definitely um, are one of our core values of our business, those partnerships with um, providers and agencies. Would you agree with that, Tony? Yeah, definitely, right? I think, you know, we, again, I have to emphasize, we are a firm believer in terms of building the ecosystem, right? And that ecosystem is made out of everybody that can provide um, the quality level of services to the, the end customer, which are the, the students and the parents, right? So we definitely want to work with them, uh, work with everybody that's in this ecosystem to kind of help, um, you know, customers along this journey. Right. Well, it shows because HFPC, of course, provides a broad portfolio of services uh, that are linked to finance, but not only finance for the international students. Amit, how is that for you? You're also a, a, a very new company. I think the newest of the three here. Um, and I'm, I imagine using a lot of the algorithms and, and artificial intelligence. Now you're, you were a banker yourself before. So shifting to these all new technologies must be uh, Quite so, that. yes, I, I wanted to give two perspectives. I think I can also share the banker's perspective and the challenges. And uh, I can also say, uh, as an intermediary, uh, one thing is very clear that it's a big enabler, uh, with whichever side of the, uh, of the table you are sitting, uh, be it a student or the lender. Uh, I have seen times when uh, actually students have taken, especially international students, uh, have taken the loan and, and just gone off the radar. right? And a lender has no uh, wherewithal to track that that person where in the world the person has disappeared right today that's just not possible right and i think i think this machine learning tools or algorithms are helping us in in terms of better tracking uh, for the lender at the same time uh, if you look at it from a student perspective uh, today because of the digitalization uh, they have a ability to reach to multiple people and also fetch the best of the terms uh, i think uh, uh, not having seamless flow of information is not in uh, anybody's benefit in the long run. Uh, and that's what precisely AI and uh, ML provides you. It's, it's a seamless information available to everybody. There is no discrimination of if you, are a, if you are a certain higher level of strata, you get it. If you are not, you don't get it. No. With, with, I think with, with digitalization, uh, today everybody has all the information available, be it a lender or a student, and they are in a better position to take their respective decisions. Right, and so you're also saying the student can no longer disappear from the radar. That must be absolutely not. So, how does that work then? If you have these automated processes, what role does an agency have in the in that loan application process? Uh, my view, long term view, uh, Martin, is that uh, if you are a if you are a single product line company and you are just doing student loan. Uh, as an intermediary, your loan role will uh, reduce over a period of time as, as this is integration becomes more and more seamless. But if you are a full service provider, like if I provide a service, like, like today you can't take away the role of a role of a uh, education counselor if even if whatever tool you bring in, correct? Same way, uh, if I am uh, or, or our positioning is to provide services starting from the the day you get your college till you reach the college, then I'm, I'm, I have various levers, various uh, ways I interact with you. And there are various ways I add value to your whole experience. I think that matters uh, a lot. And it's very difficult to take away because everything cannot be uh, written in algorithm. 
there are there are look feel and touch as aspects are important and which will remain important right so local knowledge experience Absolutely. understanding remains very important and paramount in this approach i guess what amit just said tony is very much in line with how hsbc is approaching this with that broad portfolio right so you see that in, as well that there is an remaining role for the agencies but maybe a changing role agencies and institutions in the in the context of financial services towards their students yeah i think i think the the, the dynamic and relationships always like changing in a more positive way right as we move into more ai and and, and like digital right that, i think that process will be much easier the advice i would give you know uh, in terms of some of the uh, agents uh, that, that's on the call is actually have those conversations early right as part of your process, right, it, it is you need to kind of discuss what are the some of the the financial needs, right? Whether it's loans or like planning for that at at the journey, right? And I know that process can be really quite long, especially in Asia, right? I mean, uh, I know parents are starting to think about their kids' education when the kid is born, right? And you almost have that, you know, have that chance to engage with the family, say, okay, if you're gonna do that, right, why don't you consider uh, these options and start to think about that, right? Much earlier, rather than you know the moment they are about to send their <laughs> their kids uh, abroad, right? And think about that a little bit later in stage and right? in a later stage, right? So uh, the advice is start that process early, and I think the relationship is going to change really rapidly as we move into digital. It will be a lot more efficient. Uh, to a miss point is that the, the information is going to be a lot more transparent. That actually pushes the business to be you know better, right? Providing the best level of services, best level of race to the customers. Uh, and then it's our duty to kind of provide that to to the the wider community. Right. Thanks, Adam. At, at Future Finance, you just mentioned that you provide loans to UK students as well as international students. What makes the international students an interesting demographic for Future Finance? Because a lot of loan providers do not focus on international students for various reasons. So we lend to students that are based in the UK or well, studying in the UK only. I guess it's difficult to potentially find a student once they might leave the UK after their study or not complete their course and leave. So sort of servicing the, the product and collections are harder on international students, but it's something that we definitely want to focus on. We're working internally at the moment to try and see what other options we can do to support international students. Uh, I mean, in the UK specifically with the uh, SLC cutting the student loan, for international students product. What's the SLC? The Student Loans Company, Student That's Finance England. They've cut the support from 2021 for international students. So people can't apply for a government loan if you're an international student in the UK mm. from 2021. So that will affect just the UK volume quite heavily. So it's something that we're working on about trying to provide a product or a solution that might uh, sort of come into play for 2021 to support international students that are looking to apply to come to the UK. Right. So in your in your risk assessment towards international students, do you think that these new technologies are helping you reduce the risk of, of losing that customer or not finding the customer anymore, I might say? Yeah, 100%, yeah. Do the agencies and institutions play a role there as well, not just in getting the loan to the student, but also actually in, in making sure that these repayments are made or that the contact is remains with the students, also to understand that if they cannot pay, why they can't pay and to find solutions? Do they play a role? Certainly with our tuition fee loan products, at the moment we pay the tuition fee loan straight to the institution at the moment. So it's good having a, 
a close relationship with the institutions that we currently work with because um, we can report to them about student numbers who's coming through, look at like approval rates and then work really closely with that institution on sort of numbers of, uh, of students who are actually supporting them with international and, and sort of UK students. Right. And do you provide um, payment holidays, deferment of payments due to COVID, right? Those see the students that, um, that have lost their part-time jobs or are currently unable to repay their loans are you are you supporting them in that process Amit? so yes we have seen uh, some of the lenders being more open about it but you also need to be cognizant of the fact that they are the lenders they are worried about their money so at the end of the day this the solution can't be uh, uh, can't be something which is available on the window uh, one has to assess the risk of the particular student uh, properly and then take a call but i have seen in the pandemic time uh, the lenders have been more accommodative because frankly, none of us could could fathom or understand the risks around it. So they have been more uh, more accommodative, I would say. But will it last? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, because lender has a duty to protect the the capital too, right? Of course, Tony. I guess HSBC being so global, you of course have your focus regions and areas. But would you, in principle, be for supporting all international students and providing with services, or is it really linked to where they are from and where they are going? As a global bank, what we are trying to do is actually, you know, leverage some of the, you know, credit making decisions, right? So streamline that. So what that means is uh, we are working through various different solutions. If you have a credit history at home, when you travel to the next destination country, we can kind of take part of that and consider that, right? But um, I think um, and, and, and Adam actually mentioned around, you know, making a decision on, on you know, credit approval is a complex process. Oh, I think everybody's trying to improve it and HBC is also trying to improve it. We're not perfect, uh, but we'll require input from, you know, um, this, this community to kind of say, okay, what can we do to make that experience better? Right. So Adam, if that Venezuelan student were to go to the UK, would that make that person eligible to at least start the process at future finance? Uh, yes. Yeah, totally. Right. Well, that's, that's good news. So that, would that be when that student is considering to study in the UK or when that student has actually been kind of accepted in the UK and then can start applying? Uh, only when they're um, accepted. Uh, we just we need to confirm that they are at that institution or started at that, that institution. And isn't that a bit of a chicken and egg situation? So the student feels like, hey, I want to study in the UK. I need some money. Uh, future finance, can you help? And you're like, well, first you need to enroll at the university, but the university will probably say you need to show the funding. You must deal with that situation sometimes. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's difficult um, because I know a lot of students want to apply earlier in that process. Like you said, if they if they get accepted in earlier in the process, like a uh, June July, and they're starting in September, they want to sort of sort out their their student loan then. Whereas we can't uh, accept them until they've started almost in September. Right, right, right. Uh, for for an undergraduate, so it's it's a bit of a difficult situation. But that's one of the things that we're currently looking into and um, work on the moment. Right. Well, gentlemen, it's uh, time has flown by. I think it's uh, it's interesting to hear that uh, a couple of things are like artificial intelligence algorithms are definitely helping this industry, our industries, uh, be more efficient towards the uh, the individual students and their families in the application process. It's great to hear that you all have solutions in place to educate these students, not just before they take up a loan or a financial service, but to keep informing them on how on, on what solutions there are to repay their loan earlier, later, or have a delay. Um, Adam, Tony, and Amit, thank you 
very much for your contribution and I hope to speak to you again soon. Thank you very much for joining us today on the ISIF Exchange podcast. If you haven't already, please do take a moment now to subscribe by your favourite podcast player so you can listen on the go or get automatic updates on when the next episode's available. To continue with the discussion, why not check out our series of webinars at icef.com forward slash webinars, where we have a collection of presentations from renowned industry professionals on topics currently impacting the world of international education. For now, we'll say goodbye and look forward to hosting you again soon on the next episode of the ICEF Exchange. ICEF Exchange in partnership with HSBC, global financial leader in supporting parents and students in the international education journey.